Welcome back to episode 49 of So Talk to Me. 49. 49. We made it to 49. Obligatory comment about it being the 49th episode. That's one less than 50. What are we going to do for our 50th episode? I, I, don't, I don't know what we're going to do for our 49th episode. <laughs> so I obviously don't plan these things out. <laughs> but one thing I will say, we made it. Episode 49. How's it going? It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's not starting off on the right foot. Okay. It's just all right. Yeah. I mean, today was the end of your vacation. It was. I went back to work today. You did. It happened. It was a sad day. (laughs) Was it? (laughs) No. Was it really sad? I mean, I was sad that you had to go back. Yeah. But it wasn't a sad day, I guess. Okay. Except for okay. the Dementors. Those crazy Dementors. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what we're talking about. Prison. That's what we're talking about. <gasps> uh, yeah. yeah. It's just that time of the month, and it sucks. Oh. And I hate it. Just want to let everyone in. Everyone knows that women go on their periods. It's okay, true. it's not a big. It does deal. happen, and most people know that it sucks. Yeah, it's just not usually public information. I don't care. Okay, <laughs> well, hopefully things are better next week, right? Because that's how long it usually lasts. Hey, <laughs> all right. So this is going to be a fantastic episode. Mm. We should just title it "The Dementors." <laughs> <laughs> oh no um then people will understand what we're talking about. yeah Is that's weird aunt irma yeah mm-hmm. there you go the it crowd yeah aunt irma uh i'm sure you've made that reference before the last time they showed up so actually i'm pretty sure people already understand yep <laughs> um yeah but yeah today was the first day back to work after i took the last week and a half off after i got back from uh the conference in alabama yeah and so it's been very nice um i'm actually surprised at how normal today felt like i thought i was just gonna be bogged down by stuff i didn't get as much stuff as i wanted to done but that's okay um i kind of just had to focus on the stuff that needed to get done since i took most of this week off also um so just prepping for sunday and you know kind of just hitting the critical path all Are you going to work tomorrow? It, no. No, not tomorrow. I'm going to do school tomorrow. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. Because guess what? School started this week as well. <laughs> so uh, getting back into that regular routine of not having as much free time. Um, but it's good. I'm, I'm actually s- super stoked. Uh, yeah, it's the first week of my new class, and I'm already digging it quite a lot. This whole week has been about hermeneutics. Nash. Which is pretty cool. There's a pretty lot of important. reading. Yeah. Yeah, we've done an episode on hermeneutics mm-hmm. before, um, which we just, you know, skim the surface. There's lots more. Maybe maybe after I take this course, well, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of it will end up on these podcasts anyway, because that's <laughs> just how it goes. That's what's in my headspace. But um, yeah, there, there's just some uh, really cool stuff i'm reminded about and and stuff like ways to study the bible that i haven't even taken a look into that um 
I'm really excited about. There's a lot of dang reading in this class. <laughs> I mean, it's a college course. You read a lot, right? <laughs> well, it's just what you do. But, um, and surprise, surprise, the title of the class is Reading the Old Testament. So, of course, I'm going to be doing a lot of reading. Surprisingly, I haven't read that much of the Old Testament yet. But well, it's the showing books. you how you're supposed to exactly. read it. Exactly. Before you actually read it. There you go. Next week, it's like, read the Torah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> Anyways. So th- that's... No, I'm, I'm super stoked. I'm super stoked. Even if it means getting back into the routine. And, and you know, fall's coming up. It was, it was a good time to take off some time for work. Because it'll probably be another, you know, week or two, and then things are going to ramp up at work because it's back to the fall. Everyone's off vacations. Something went by so fast. Yeah. Yeah. It always does. My time off went by really fast. It did. (laughs) I was telling everyone at work, it's just like... (laughs) vacation. It's... I feel like uh, I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's 4 p.m. Where did the freaking day go? Because kids, <laughs> like hanging out with the kids, kids. Um, and just like doing stuff around the house, I just feel like my whole days are gone. That said, I mean, I did do a lot of just lounging and, and having fun, played video games. Those are fun too. So I, I did do some stuff. I just thought I would be more productive with my time off in certain areas. I'm just kidding. I know. I just <laughs> did not produce <laughs> Not very productive. Um, but yeah, so I mean a few things like been been using using that old elliptical that you got. So that's nice. Hopefully I'll continue with that and I won't uh Yeah. <laughs> but won't fall off the bandwagon. Exactly. Don't fall off that elliptical wagon because you'll break your shins. An elliptical wagon. Yeah. That'd be interesting. What does that look like? I don't know. So how's your week been since your day sucked so bad? <laughs> that is not what I said. That's not what you said at all. Since your day was all right, <laughs> how's your week been? Um, well, am I starting from Sunday or am I starting? I don't know. From- Start from wherever you want, love. Wherever you think is most interesting. Well, since this drops on a Friday, I'll just take it from last Friday. Um, what did we do last Friday? I don't even remember. Nothing. We went out with the Medinas to Jack Allen's. That's right. For dinner, yeah. We did do that. That was fun. Mm-hmm. It was lots of fun. Good drinks. Yeah. Good food. That was something that good I- friends. I'm talking to people at work again, obviously, because I'm back at work. Um, is that it was really cool to be able to just kind of like get together with people, like make spur of the moment plans. Um, so long as they were around like our kids schedules, yeah. you know, but it, it felt good to be able to do that. Cause I feel like I haven't had that in quite a while. Mm-hmm. Like I've had to plan things out if I'm actually going to do them. Yeah. Um, like getting together with friends. And that was like a spur of the moment. My friend texted me in the morning, like late morning. And was like, hey, do you guys have dinner plans? And we went to dinner, which was super cool. Made our night. It so, was awesome. Um, and then Saturday was amazing. Was it? We dropped the, 
Excuse me? Yes, it was. Okay, keep going. I'm so- <laughs> keeping the conversation alive here. Um, Doing some back and forth. Drop the kids off at your parents' house around uh, 11-ish, 11-ish, 11-ish. Close, close to 11. 11-sies. Um, yep. And we went to San Marcos mm-hmm. and floated the river mm-hmm. like four times. Yeah. And just floated and drank and talked and it was awesome mm-hmm. i smoked a cigar you did it was nice so if, if you guys don't know what that means it's like well the cigar is a thing that you light okay and, no you i'm just kidding <laughs> uh floating just means you know taking an inner tube throwing it on the river and going down the river mm-hmm. and because we got rivers here in texas we do we do and it's super cool the place that we went to i mean you say we floated it four times. We did, but the but the the place we went had the the river. It was basically like between it was probably like forty five minutes long, maybe from beginning Something to like end. Something like that, yeah. Uh could have been faster, could have been longer. Um not that the river is that short in and of itself, but just where we the portion yeah yeah. where we got in and where we ended (laughs) yes yeah because they have a a shuttle that'll take you from the end back to the beginning and so we did it four times because we were just having fun Mm -hmm. we still had more alcohol to drink (laughs) um it was fun yeah stopped off at a little uh mediterranean restaurant on the way home Mm -hmm. and ate too much ate way too much (laughs) well actually i think it was the combination of day drinking and eating yeah not enough water yeah <laughs> yeah don't get me wrong we totally ate too much but we didn't have lunch we just had snacks yeah that's true so we were hungry and we probably didn't drink enough water because we were out in the sun literally all day mm-hmm. so i actually look somewhat like a mexican now <laughs> so that's pretty cool <laughs> unless i take my shirt off then <laughs> nope still Farmer's white tan. yeah pretty awesome um love farming Anyways, uh, yeah, so that's what we did on Saturday, and it was awesome celebrating our ninth anniversary. Hey Um, and then yeah, I mean the rest of the week was just because you went back today, so today's Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we just hung out. We didn't really do anything this week. I mean, we had small group yesterday, which mm-hmm. was awesome. We hadn't awesome. seen, well, well, not all of our small group was here, but we got to see the Matterns and we just haven't been able to meet for a while with people going on vacations or someone getting sick or. Yep. Yep. So, um, and we, oh yeah, we did go to Double Dave's with your family. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. Yep. One dollar pizza rolls and one dollar beers. Always a good time. Yeah, I feel like I'm just trying to think of things that we did and I'm being really boring right now. That's how I feel. So I'm gonna okay. stop. <laughs> cool. So you've had a good week. Yeah. That's awesome. That's good to know. It's just today that's been terrible. No, it hasn't been been terrible. I didn't say it was terrible. It's been the worst day. I didn't say it was horrible. In a long time. It's just Irma puts a damper on things. Man, oh man. So, talk to me. What you got? 
I've been talking to you. Were you not listening? That is so rude, Broccolo. What's rude? To ask you to talk? How's that rude? To insinuate that I wasn't talking to you before, which means that you weren't listening to me listening to me at all. That's not what I insinuated. That's what you're assuming. Assumptions cause problems. What's that saying? It's like assuming makes an ass out of you, not me, or something like that. And me. And me. <laughs> I don't know. It's both people because, you know, you spell the word out and there you go. When you assume you make an ass out of you and me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't assume <laughs> any subtext there. I was literally just saying the name of the podcast. I know. I was just being dramatic for entertainment's sake. Ah, I see. You are quite entertaining, love. I know. That's why people listen. hey <laughs> Yeah, man. Anyways. So, yeah, do you have any... Topics. Topics. Well, just things just things that I've been thinking about, things just that I've things. been like getting into lately. Um and it primarily is books. Right? Books. Books. My favorite movie is books. <laughs> That's Parks and Rec reference. I'm sure I've made it before. <laughs> Cause I just love that quote. I just think it's hilarious. The way that Tom Haverford says it. Anyways, doesn't matter. <laughs> this is not the Parks and Rec podcast. Um, yeah, so so I've had like just a couple different, like from a couple different areas, kind of the same things um, come up. So there's been like this synthesis of ideas in my head. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to actually talk about or explain them do them any sort of justice, but here we go. We're going to do it anyway. Give it a shot. Yeah. So um, the one book that I started just recently is another book by Dr. Jason Lyle. So back from a birthday, okay, in December of last year, um, I got two books by Jason Lyle. And the first one is the one that I talked about, about the biblical, the alleged biblical contradictions. That was a good one. The second one that uh, I got is called the ultimate proof of creation resolving the origins debate. Ooh. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, this dude's an astrophysicist. He works for uh, answers in Genesis, right? So you think, like, I assumed, like, okay, he's going to give, like, a really extensive defense of the book of Genesis, right? You know, the ultimate proof of creation. Like, he's going to talk about, obviously, like, creation and Genesis and. Stuff like that. Um, turns out the book is actually much more about presuppositionalism hmm. than anything else, which I'm actually really glad to finally jump into because I've heard a lot about it. I've heard, um, you know, you listen to Apologia a lot, and Jeff Durbin, and he uses presuppositional apologetics a lot. Kind of the way, um, what's, what's the other dude's name? Saiten Bruggenkate, he does he does the same thing, where um, he's very presuppositional in his approach. That is a name. It is, yeah. <laughs> uh huh. I I once you like I saw it spelled out once, and now it's been like burned into my into my brain. But yeah, Sai <laughs> is his name. Um, 
And I, so I've heard about it. I've heard the way that people go about it. I'm pretty sure James White is somewhat of a presuppositionalist as well. Um, so I'd heard about it. Well, everyone has presuppositions. Right, right. But presuppositionalism kind of uh, takes a step farther. Um, well, okay, before I, before I get into what it is exactly, I, I was just saying that I've heard a lot about it. I have not actually studied it. Um, w- the person that a lot of people refer to is Dr. Greg Bonson, who kind of like codified it, I guess, or made it very understandable. They also mention a, a Van Til a lot. Like mm. Van Til is like the hardcore version. Bonson is like the more understandable version of presuppos- presuppositionalism. Anyways, so um, what presuppositionalism is, it's basically in contrast to evidentialism. So it's a way of... Um, it's primarily apologetics, but the way, but it has to do with worldview. In that, evidentialism would say that in order to um, convince someone of the truth of you know the Bible or Scripture or anything in general, mm-hmm. you have to present evidence for believing that. Um, and it would say, uh, well, yeah, that's basically what evidentialism is. Okay, that sounds sounds perfectly understandable presuppositionalism would say that you it's more of it's more of kind of a philosophy and again i apologize because i'm not going to do it justice but in a nutshell it presuppositionalism says that you have to uh, you if you believe that the bible is true you must argue in such a way, and argue, I mean the classical sense of argue, like mm-hmm. present argumentation, not argue as in like right. get in a fight. Um, you must not argue. Like social media. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. Um, presuppositional Facebook comments. <laughs> uh, um, you, you must argue in such a way that you actually believe what the Bible says. Like you don't, deny what the bible says when you argue so they would say that well an evidentialist is saying well no you and me are on the same position like me and my opponent who i'm arguing against um are on the same ground and so if you just present enough evidence then they'll have to accept it because we both come from the same starting place whereas like Whereas presuppositionalists would say, no, we are not starting from the same place. I believe the Bible, and so I'm going to present things in such a way that um, requires the Bible to be true in order for it to be understood. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't know that I'm making a lot of sense right now mm-hmm. because it's kind of a complex topic, but um, it has to do with... Um, it has to do with questioning why you believe what you believe. It's right. almost like a kind of philosophical method mm-hmm. versus evidentialism would say like, okay, well, we already, it would already assume things like your senses are um, are reliable, mm-hmm. okay? So what you see, what you touch, what you taste is reliable, Whereas presuppositionalism would say the only reason you can say that your 
senses are reliable is because there is a God. And so you actually already believe that there's a God. Mm-hmm. You just don't realize it. Or you are, as Romans says, you are suppressing that truth in unrighteousness. Well, the fact that everyone already has a moral compass just proves that right. God exists. So presuppositionalism seeks to kind of make those things apparent. Mm-hmm. And so you attack, attack isn't the right word, but basically you address mm-hmm. those presuppositions that people have right so like sorry no 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 keep keep on so like someone who claims that they're an atheist and they believe in evolution yet they believe that murder is wrong is in a complete contradiction of what they believe because if 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 god doesn't exist and we just evolved from slime whatever Mm -hmm. yeah then why do our lives even matter? Like if if we're just, if if all we are are big clumps of cells, mm-hmm. then why does murder even exist? Mm-hmm. Like why why would you why would you call it murder if another clump of cells is just destroying another clump of cells? Right. Like there are there is a moral issue there, which proves that life has value Mm -hmm. and life wouldn't have value unless it was created by something of value. Right. Like God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that too, is that presuppositionalism doesn't say that you have to believe in God in order to have morals or things of that nature. You don't have to, but you logically like you are being inconsistent yeah. when you deny God. Yeah. And so again, like Romans says, you are suppressing that truth mm-hmm. in unrighteousness. Like you right. said, because we are made in the image of God, we actually already know mm-hmm. that God exists. Like it is, it is evident. It is apparent to everyone who exists mm-hmm. that there is a creator. Yeah. Um, And, and even like you said, morality, I mean, we have a conscience. Mm-hmm. We believe certain things are right and certain things are wrong. And that that proves that there is something more than, you know, what we're told through evolution mm-hmm. and things like that. And evolution is the main uh, is the main thing. I, I'm not very far into this book. I'm only a few chapters. Um, but evolution is the main thing that he's um, that he is refuting in mm-hmm. the book, again, because it's about creation right. and evolution. But he does it in such a way that he's bringing up these presuppositional points. And so what he calls the ultimate proof of creation are these things, these presuppositional things that we often don't even think about um, that become more philosophical. And it's funny that you bring up morality because that was the first thing uh, that he brings up in this book. And what I wanted to uh, just read a little excerpt here in the well, way that he Well, when you mentioned Jeff Durbin, that's what popped in my head because mm-hmm. that's re- usually where he pulls from when he's talking to someone about it. Yeah. When he's evangelizing on the street or something. Right. Yeah. Right. Because often, yeah, often with the, when you confront someone um, in that context, uh, uh, often with apologetics, you know, it goes... I mean, that's one of the first things you talk about when people think about religion is the definitions of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, why aren't you a Christian? Well, because the church is messed up, you know, because the church has done these things. Well, how do you even know that those things are wrong or right? 
you know? Um, and so, yeah, he, he definitely goes there, but here, here's something that Dr. Lyle wrote in the book that really kind of made me, um, the, the things that he says, the, the, this way of argumentation really kind of stretches my brain. It makes a lot of sense, but I'm just like, oh man, I haven't ever like really stared in the mirror and thought about that before. Hmm. Um, so one of the first things that he's talking about is, uh, at least in this little excerpt, um, how often morality, like a lot of people say that morality is determined by the majority of people, you know, well, if most people think that this is wrong, then it's wrong. You know, it's societal, Mm. right? Morality is societal. So because our society says murder is wrong, then murder is wrong. And, uh, he kind of casually mentions like, uh, obviously we, we don't actually believe that because then, uh, first of all, th- that is not an objective standard. That is completely subjective. Mm-hmm. So that means that morality um, changes over time, uh, which, okay, some people would concede that it does, which doesn't make sense, but mm-hmm. um, that well, would yeah. also in our, mean... In our society, in our culture, it does, but... Right, right. And, and hence the idea of being progressive right. with your morality is that oh, we're making progress because morality changes. And so we're progressing with that um, and and continually changing it. But obviously um, Hitler convinced a majority of people in Germany um, that killing Jews was, was perfectly fine, mm-hmm. that Jews were less than human. Um, does that mean that morally Hitler was fine with what he did? Of course it doesn't. <laughs> Again. It's a dumb argument. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Again, we know, you know what Hitler did. Mass genocide is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know it. You don't have to be told. Um, so to argue, to argue against it, uh, if you really see the implications of your argumentation, it, it kind of goes nowhere. But anyways, mm-hmm. so, so coming to that, he also says here, uh, yeah, this just kind of blew my mind. He says, Morality requires a mind in order to make a value judgment about what should be the case. I just stop at that sentence and kind of think about it for a little while uh, because it was like, I have, I just haven't heard it that way before, Mm -hmm. but it requires, morality requires, it says a mind, I would also say a personality. It requires a person to determine morality dogs can't determine morality Mm -hmm. dogs have no morals trees have no morals uh water has no morals Mm -hmm. it just does what it does you have to have a person a personality a mind in order to have morals yeah um and then he goes on and says but for morality to be objective it must be true for all people and exist in the universe beyond their personal minds. Hence, morality cannot be based on a human mind because our thoughts do not control or determine the external universe and are not necessarily true. Mm. So you need to have a personality. You need to have a mind to, to determine morality but our minds are finite. Right. Like we don't know all of existence. Therefore, we can't know, we can't have objective morality. We need to find our morality 
in a person that knows all of existence. Right. Which, when you put those pieces together, it's obviously God. Right. (laughs) There is no other answer. And it's obviously the Christian God, too. And this was something, as I was reading the book, that really, again, just sparked my love for the Bible. And again, I'm reading about hermeneutics, so all these things are kind of connecting, (laughs) is that it also... needs to be a God who has revealed himself. Mm. It can't just be a God way out there, you know, who wound up the the clock and let everything just, just go. He has to have actually revealed himself and actually shown that morality to us. Otherwise we would not know that objective morality and it wouldn't be objective. So only the Christian God makes rational sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, everyone knows that because everyone has a sense of morality. Because Um, everyone's made in the image of God. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So these pieces, just as I'm reading, I'm just like, oh, this does make sense. Like, (laughs) it's not. Because honestly, um, you know, opponents of presuppositionalism, uh, you know, evidentialists would say that it's, um, it's disingenuous to to kind of assume that what your that your argument argumentation is true before even presenting an argument mm-hmm. you know it's disinge- it, it's disrespectful to the other side to to make a circular argument and expect them to accept it um and and while i think that argument holds weight to it um i'm also as i'm looking at presuppositionalism I'm seeing how it makes sense. And I feel like there's there's just kind of a, um, the one side is not understanding the other kind of a thing. Well, because truth is truth. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't change a truth just to make someone think that it's true. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's how I see circular argumentation is yeah. like, well, if something is true, you can't change it. Mm-hmm. Like, so that I don't, I don't see circular arguing. Obviously, as long as you're talking about something that's true, um, as a bad thing, because honestly, sometimes you just can't get around it. Like, if something is true, then it's true, and you can't, like, you can't change it. In mm-hmm. order for someone to agree with it, you know what I mean. Um, sorry, do you understand? Well, it sounded what like I'm you were going to say something. I, I thought I was, but I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I think I get what you're saying, um, but I would, I would say there are certain things that are circular. Well, like, so like trying trying to get someone to agree that the Bible is true, that it's God breathed. Mm -hmm. I I honestly don't think that you have to try to convince anyone that the Bible is authoritative over them because it just is. Okay. Like I, I think that you can say that it is without really trying to con, to convince them. Does that make sense? Like like you can you can preach things from the scriptures mm-hmm. without first 
trying to convince them that the scripture as a whole is authoritative over them. Yeah. Yeah. Because no, it I, just is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that, definitely. That Yeah, it it is. Um, I And I mean, I wouldn't even want to go down that road. A lot of the times that's just kind of... Um, that's kind of just a roadblock in people's minds that they use to, to kind of sidetrack, you know, the fact that they are guilty of sin. Right. Um, is, is the, you know, is the Bible true? And it's, you know, it's a man-made document and all that fun stuff. Um, I think that the Bible, the truth of the Bible is a good, um, is a good example, like you're saying, of of employing circular reasoning. So um, with the truth of the Bible, like how do we know that the Bible is the word of God? Well, it tells us that it is, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, because obviously if if it were, like just assuming for a second, or just, just throwing it out there, hypothetically, if the Bible was the word of God, it would obviously say that it is, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, if God chose to spoke through spoke if god chose to speak through someone that someone would say these are the words of god right right <laughs> like that it would obviously testify to itself right. and it would uh prove itself to be true so you see mm-hmm. the prophecies in the old testament being fulfilled in the new testament right right Yes, so there is definitely there is definitely other evidences. Right. Yes, and so I don't I don't say that evidentialism like it's wrong to present evidence. No, certainly certainly evidence is great. I mean, that's it's there. Right. <laughs> right. So why not present it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. But the basis on which we understand the Bible to be the Word of God is, um, that it says that it's the Word that God has said it. And it is true. There's plenty of ways that that is made true to us. Like when we see, when <laughs> when we see ourselves in the scripture, and we're just you know when when it, it reveals itself to be true when you read it. You know, um, the Holy Spirit obviously mm-hmm. needs to regenerate you in order to understand that it's the Word of God. Right. So um, so <laughs> there's that. You can't just will someone, will that on someone. Right. Um, so anyways, um, I feel like we're, we went off on a tangent <laughs> about circular reasoning. So, because there's a lot there, like, I feel like that could be a whole episode of like, how do we know the Bible is true? Uh, and one in which that I don't feel entirely qualified to, <laughs> to go through all, like, I'd have to study more um, to actually get the thoughts out of yeah. my head. Yeah. Um, so... But that has to do, you know, with circular reasoning and how everyone is circular at their core. And the other, um, the other example that was given in this book that just kind of like blew my mind a little bit is how in this book it, you know, it is talking about evolution and creation. And um, so it uses the idea of evolution and and takes a look at it and so he makes the claim in this book that if an evolutionist is consistent 
that evolution actually disproves itself um, because of its presuppositions. So how do we know, how would we know, his argument in the book is how would you know that the future is going to be like the past? And by that, he's asking, how would you ever be able to, to use the scientific method to determine anything scientifically? Hmm. So the scientific method is that you test something and you find out what the results of that test are. Mm-hmm. And then you repeat multiple times. And if the results are always the same, then you know that that is, it is something that occurs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and uh, we would say, I forget who said it. So geez, I need to attribute this to someone, but I don't remember. That the definition of insanity is doing something over and over again and thinking that it's going to have a different outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that in and of itself requires the Christian God because you have, if you believe that evolution is true, if you believe that everything sprang out of nothing, that um, we are constantly evolving and things are changing and nothing can create everything which can create more everything, which can create more mutations of everything into more everything. Then why aren't we seeing that today? Well, th- I mean, that's beside the point. <laughs> then how can you expect that tomorrow what you found out scientifically yesterday is going to be true? How mm. do you know that tomorrow is going to be the same? How do you know you're not going to wake up and be a fish well, tomorrow morning? Yeah, exactly. It's just pure chaos. Exactly. And, and that's not the way the world works. Right. And again... That's not the way that you live your life. Exactly. Because you know better. You need a Christian God who says that he does not change, that he has created the universe and it's out of his character. And he says that there's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. And so it is not, we as Christians can be certain that the future is going to be similar to the past. And I say that in such a way that, um, I mean that science can be true, not that you're that all your circumstances are going to be the same. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we know that the sun's going to rise and set right. tomorrow. We know that there's going to be 24 hours in a day. How would you know that? If you honestly believe nothing created everything, created more everything. Well, and we how all do you know? have order in our lives. Yeah. Like we all have mm-hmm. some sort of consistent schedule. Right. Which with evolution or Darwinism, like it's just chaos that that doesn't occur. There's no order. Right. Right. Order can't come from chaos. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so that was that was the other point. The point that, that he was making is just the basis on which we determine that the future is going to be like the past. And he does give um, a couple counter arguments. Well, you know, someone could say that, well, that's the way that it's always been. And so we can assume that that's the way that it always will be as well. And he turns the tables and he's like, no, you're, you're actually, take a look at what you just said. You're assuming that because in the past, everything has continued the same way, that the future will continue that way as well. I'm asking why you believe that. And you're just saying that that's the way that it's been in the past. 
Like that is complete circular. You're not explaining anything. You're just Mm -hmm. repeating the question. The question is, why do you think that the past will continue into the future? That's the question. You Mm -hmm. can't assume, oh, because the past has always been the same way. Like the the past's future has always been the same. So the future's future will always be the same. Like Mm -hmm. you're saying the exact same thing that the question, you're not explaining (laughs) anything. There's no basis on which you can say that the future will be normal. There's no basis on which that you can say that your dream was any less reality than your waking life. Mm. Um, so anyways, this dude is smart. <laughs> he makes very smart arguments. Um, again, he's an astrophysicist, so he's he smart. knows uh, literally a rocket scientist. Uh, maybe not, but... <laughs> Uh, he knows he knows his stuff, and he knows that the Earth is round. Um, oh, sorry. burn, flat earthers! <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. There's no alcohol in this, by the way. It's just green tea. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm just weird. Sorry, people. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Um. Anyways, so that that's been good. Um. The other, you know how I said that this seems to like, that my brain is kind of synthesizing all these different kind of thoughts that I've been thinking. Thoughts that you think, right? The circular. Um, after you think them. Um, the Another book that I had just recently read was called, shoot, I'm going to mess this one up too, but it's a Francis Schaeffer book. Um, how Then Should We Live? I think. How should we then live? That's what it is. How should we then live? And that book was talking about um, kind of the evolution, for lack of a better term, of Western thought. And so it chronicles like mm. back from the Roman era, era into the Dark Ages, or, you know, Middle Ages, into the Renaissance, um, into, I mean, the Reformation. And so all that, right? Renaissance? No, Renaissance was after Reformation. Reformation was first. Anyways, right? No? Am I confusing it? No, I think Renaissance was before. Okay. I feel stupid. You guys out there can do the little Googles. Um, I think Reformation was first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reformation had to be first. Because before the Reformation, Catholicism was king. Reformation happens. Renaissance was like a a backlash against like all religion basically it was the it was humanism um so that came out of that came after the reformation because otherwise it would have been catholicism yeah yeah so reformation then renaissance anyways um doesn't matter the book just chronicles like these ideas and and the basis of western thought and basically it shows how christian ideals have created a lot of of the western like the the foundation for understanding western cultures and the way that they have structured their uh, societies have been based on christianity in some form and so we see now in our postmodern era how there is a revolt against christianity and so it's attempting to kind of like keep the house while breaking apart the foundation, 
if that makes any sense. And so a lot of it is is talking about, you know, how if society was built on these truths, like now you're trying to take this truth away, so you're suspended in midair, and there's no reason to continue. Like there's no logical, rational, philosophical reason um, or purpose behind mankind when you take away that purpose that's found in God. Anyways, that's the book in a nutshell. Um, again, a, t- a terrible review of the book. It's a good book. You should read it. Um, but that goes along with this that I've been reading in presuppositionalism really well because you see how a lot of these concepts have just not been thought about. <coughs> like one of the things that Schaefer brings out is that no one during um, during the previous eras would have um, thought that science would be an endeavor in and of itself. Like there would have to be a purpose behind the science. Um, and if you can't define the purpose, the purpose of why you're doing what you're doing, then there, there's no reason to even do it, that it's completely worthless. Whereas now in our postmodern society, it's like, well, you don't have to have any sort of purpose. Like, like your purpose could be something like, um, you know, trying to cure cancer. Okay, well, if if you're attempting to cure cancer, like where does your morality come from? You have no God, and so the bottom falls out. Mm-hmm. So there's no there's no real purpose. It's just that's what you want to do. That's what you've determined. Um, so anyways, these things have all just kind of been mulling over in my head over the past week or two. A lot of weird like philosophical um, presuppositional kind of thoughts. Renaissance before the Reformation. No. Are you yes. serious? Yes. Dang it. Okay. <laughs> Dang, I guess I should read the book again. Because <laughs> I've got my timeline all messed up. Yep, you were right. Renaissance was before the Reformation. Well, I am I just got it off the internet. So <laughs> The internet was right. Because Google <laughs> never lies. No, I'm just kidding. But it was right. It was right there. I was wrong. Cool. All right. We have any other thoughts? That you've been thinking about? Um, I mean, I have just things running through my head. I don't know if I really want to bring one of them up, though, because it's pretty depressing. Whoa. I mean, if you listen to the briefing, you've mm-hmm. heard about it. If you pretty much if you just are on the Internet, you've probably heard about the evil, horrible, disgusting priests that's what i'm gonna say (laughs) (laughs) okay no context um so you've been listening to the briefing i know he talked about it oh okay okay but you haven't actually listened to it no okay um we we've talked about it yeah but i didn't but i knew that he had talked about it too yeah i'm actually gonna link i'm gonna throw that in our recommendations um, is in particular that episode of the briefing I thought was really good because of the way that he talked about multiple different um, topics and kind of tied them together to get a picture of of our world mm-hmm. and basically our our 
warped view of sexuality and morality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really good. So, yeah, if you don't, I mean, we don't have to talk about this very long, but if you don't know, um, Pencil in Pennsylvania, um, a grand jury was able to get documents from the diocese there in Pennsylvania that there were over 300 mm-hmm. reported um, cases of sexual abuse by priests in Pennsylvania that had in not- In Pennsylvania alone. Right. And this was since, I think, 47, something like that. So this is over a 60, 70 year period. Yeah. Um, but these were unreported cases. And so the the horrifying thing about this is that the diocese is only now cooperating. Like it took a grand jury um, in order to get these documents from the diocese to actually show that they knew that these, that there was this sexual abuse going on and these priests were not punished. They were not um, given over to the court of law. They were not dealt with in house. Really. They were just reassigned other places um and and this is just this is just a peek inside because like you said this is just Pennsylvania yeah that's in a nutshell that that, that was the news that came out this past week um it's not necessarily uh altogether new news i mean there are things that you can if if you've been looking into what was that movie spotlight kind of took a look at at I think, this I think so. Um, there was that Netflix special as well that went into it and I don't remember the name of it. Um, so, so there are things that if you did some research that you can find that the Catholic church has a history of covering up sexual abuse and not, not frankly, just not dealing with it. Right. Reassigning those priests to other places. Um, the, as if that's going to solve anything. All right. the The thing about this case, though, is that it is like hard evidence of reported cases that the diocese clearly did nothing about, that the church knew about and did absolutely nothing about. Um, and that's what makes this unprecedented: is that it's clear. It's no longer just people connecting dots. This is like reports from the diocese itself uh which Which there is no way that the vatican didn't know about all this stuff going on yeah right because of their authority structure Mm -hmm. within the catholic church right like it had it was known um i think i think we've made it known we've made it quite plain in the past when we've talked about these issues is that Um, We believe that in cases of abuse in general, but especially sexual abuse within the church, that the first place that you go to is the authorities. Um, That yes, there is some, there's definitely some work that needs to be done spiritually. And so that happens, you know, in the context of, of pastoral care, but that this also (laughs) needs... Uh, okay, we got to stop and, and address that. Samantha <laughs> just made, uh, you, you couldn't see it, obviously, but she just um, made a gesture 
showing of cutting someone's throat yes yeah that the death penalty is warranted in those cases i believe that uh, yeah yeah i understand that that's what you're saying uh, i just want i just wanted to actually let everyone else know that that's what you were <laughs> that's what you were doing um so i yeah we believe that it, that abuse and especially sexual abuse needs to be dealt with with the local authorities as well as the church this is absolutely not something that the church can deal with on its own. Right. Um, the nor should it. Right. The we believe that the state, um, the government, was given the sword by God yep. for a reason, and that is to punish criminals. Yep. And when crimes like this happen, and the sword means that's when, death. <laughs> well, that's when the government. Um, steps in to to give justice because the church frankly isn't here to give justice to everyone right um so that's that's all we'll say about that <sighs> sorry <laughs> sorry i try i try and keep it as much of a level head and and like disassociate myself from it because yeah seriously if you if you stop and think about it it's absolutely horrifying um, it's not something that I want to think about, but um, it was certainly made clear here. It's definitely one of those, like, one of those things for me that I just like, yeah, I, I can't detach my emotions from it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't. Yeah. It just, I, like, my hair just stands up on the back of my neck and I just like. And completely enraged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're, oh gosh, sorry. I said that that's all we're going to say about it. And then we <laughs> keep talking about it. It, it just, it shows that you clearly don't understand the, the gravity, the weight of what you're dealing with, because this does such, such, I would say irreparable damage, but that's not necessarily true. God redeems. Like that's, what he does that's what but he's you best are at. forever affected by it right right um and in profound ways and so it, it it's just to just deny that in in such a fashion that there's not even a slap on the wrist in such a fashion that it's just like okay we'll stop it we'll send you somewhere else for the sake of we don't want to bring shame on the church when this was obviously rampant it Okay, I need to stop before I start using uh, words Choice that I words. don't want to put <laughs> on the internet, um, because that it just it's I don't even have words. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. It's horrifying. It's um, it's just terrible, and I don't know how to segue from that into anything else. <laughs> um. And not that I really have anything else, frankly. Um, I mean, the the only other thing, well, it was talked about in the in the episode of the briefing. Again, I'll I'll link it um, in in the in the show notes. Highly recommend that you check it out because um, Dr. Moeller also talked about in that same episode about Willow Creek Church. And do you know do you know what Willow Creek is? That sounds really familiar. I'm mm -hmm. sure I've heard about it. 
Yeah. So, uh, the, the, sorry, <laughs> the reason I said yeah, that was not a di- dismissive yeah. It was a, the, the, I was in the same position. I have not, like, researched them entirely, um, but their name rang a bell. Um, basically, and, and I could, ha- so I could have some wrong information here, so pr- please forgive me if this is wrong, but my understanding is that Willow Creek um, was at one time one of the absolutely largest churches in America. I think it's, it still is one of the largest, but um, they they were pervasive in the seeker-sensitive movement. Mm-hmm. Like, they kind of pioneered that whole, like, just bring them in, like, get them in the doors, and we're going to have church that appeals to um, unbelievers. Yeesh. In fact, um, it was actually while it was while I was in, at Alabama in the, at the conference that uh, my pastor had actually talked a little bit about that. Like we were, we were just talking, and, and he had said how Willow Creek was um, was wrong in in what their mission was, and their mission was to be a church that non church people love to attend. That was like their mission statement, basically. Um, and how they have since come out, like in the early 2000s, I want to say it was like 2006, 2007, because they, they do a bunch of like conferences and things like that. But they had come out in one of their conferences and said, guys, this isn't working. Like we messed up, frankly. Um, and they said like, this is not what we should have been doing. Like it shouldn't all be focused on the unbelievers. Like, really? Because we've realized, because we've realized that um, you're not keeping anyone that way. You're, you're just not kind discipling of, anyone. Exactly. Yeah, you're just cycling people through the church, and and well, again, I would put quote, church in quotation marks, but that's yeah, a whole other conversation. Uh, yeah. That's a whole other conversation. I'm not even gonna. There. <laughs> sorry, I'm 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 gonna do it. I'm gonna give my two cents on that real quick. Is that um, <laughs> I don't say that to disparage what they're doing. Outreach is a beautiful thing, and I think um, reaching out to non-believers, however you can, is evangelism awesome. is not yes. for Sunday morning. Yes, exactly, and so that's why I would put church in quotation marks because church is the church. Yes, should be involved in outreach yeah. certainly, but when you're talking about Sunday morning worship services, um, that's if that's not actually happening, if worshiping God is not actually what's happening, then it's not a church. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a, an evangelistic outreach yeah. every week. Okay, that's my two cents. Sorry. So I don't mean to, again, I don't mean to, to deny, I'm not saying, oh, it's of the devil, but I'm saying like there there is very wrong thinking that's happening here. Um. So Willow Creek, yes, huge church, seeker-sensitive, have since like said that 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 model is wrong, and they they pioneered the seeker sensitive movement. A lot of churches have have adopted the Willow Creek model, and I think that's where the the name of the church had been lodged in my mind is because I've heard of the Willow Creek model, mm. which basically just means extremely seeker sensitive, trying to get people in the doors. Um, so what's happened at Willow Creek is since they have kind of reformed, it's not as big of a church, but, um, the, the lead pastor who's been the pastor since it started, his name is Bill Hybels. Um, he announced his retirement 
And with that, soon after that came allegations from multiple people of, and again, you'll have to forgive me because I don't quite remember. I believe it was okay, like- Okay, that's why I've heard of it because Bill, yeah. Bill I know Hybels. what you're about to, yeah, okay. mention. There have been allegations of sexual harassment, I believe. It's not, from what I've read, and again, I could be totally wrong on this. It, it has not been like full on like sexual assault or sexual, um, you know, like adultery or anything like that. Just that he has made inappropriate comments. Well, and possible... I wouldn't use the word just. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, in comparison to full on adultery, um, he he has done inappropriate things to women. He has violated women. Yes. Yes. I, I, I just don't want to downplay it yeah. in any sense. I, I agree. I agree. Um, so there have been these allegations. There's been some back and forth. You know, at first he said that these aren't true, um, but he's still going to step down early because of the way that it looks with the church, you know. And then more allegations came out. Uh, so So he did step down earlier than he had planned and his successors too actually the lead pastor of the church was a woman so she's the lead pastor now along with a lead teaching pastor who's a man so it was kind of like two people doing his one previous job but the head pastor of willow creek church is a woman so um yeah i know to me that's like red flag (laughs) um but then there were more allegations that came like basically they did after those allegations came out, the church did an internal um, investigation and kind of like cleared them of those charges. Basically, you know, they were like, you know, the allegations were untrue, but he's still going to step down early just because of, you know, the way that it tarnishes the church's name because now he's associated with these, with these allegations. Well, then more allegations came out. And um, since then, it seems more like those allegations were actually true. Well, the church just recently, the whole reason <laughs> that this story has, has blown up is because just over the past week or two, um, the head pastor of the church has announced that she is stepping down along with the entire like eldership of the church, like all of the board members or however that's structured. I don't know the structure of the church, but basically the, the head leadership of the church are all stepping down because of the way that this was handled because of the way that now in retrospect, they did not uh, like, they're kind of admitting that they did not do the proper, they didn't do their due diligence when they looked into these allegations and they just wanted to clear him. Mm. And in addressing that now, they're just getting rid of all of the entire leadership. So basically it's a big mess. Um, And the whole reason that I'm bringing it up, so excuse me for all of my word vomit here, is really just because at the, the conference that I went to was a leadership conference and it had to do with um, like church structure and, and I was going to say growing your church. Yes, but that 
that can have negative connotations. I don't think like there's a way in which to grow your church like Willow Creek. And this is why I was talking with my pastor about it and, and why uh, he believes that Willow Creek was wrong in what in, in their, their idea was to be a church that unchurched people love to attend. I think that's just so backwards. Um, but so that, so that was on my mind. And then this whole thing with Willow Creek kind of blows up. And I don't know that I can really put a cherry on top. Like, well, that sounds, that sounds really bad. Um, (laughs) because this is not a positive thing. Um, that, that the church is going through a time like this. Um, but I, I just can't help but think that you will know them by their fruit, right? Mm. So this whole, uh, frankly, fad of this Willow Creek Church model that all these churches have kind of flocked to and tried to emulate, um, it, you can see right now the church that started that, the church that got enormous, and you know had this celebrity pastor because because it had gotten so big and and attracted so many people like take a look at where it is now mm-hmm. you know their methods in the moment and and this is where okay i'm going to i'm going to try and turn it into an encouragement please so please <laughs> hear me because this is the way that it, that i think about it is that in the short term it's difficult to see fruit god doesn't promise that we'll see the fruit of our labors. Mm-hmm. Like we are called to water, to plant and to water, right. but we don't always see the fruit. So these methods attempted to, to attempted to, to show people this fruit that was frankly unripe, mm-hmm. you know, that they showed how to get butts and seats. It showed how to get people into your church building on Sunday. But now you look at, kind of the decay of the church and to see the the hardship that it's going through now, I, I just can't help but think that th- this is the fruit of what they've created. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the long-term stability doesn't come from jumping on the bandwagon of a, of a church fad. So if you can hear that as an encouragement, just know that you're... Um, your involvement in your local church, your dedication to the truth of the gospel, the truth of God does not go unnoticed by God. And to do things the right way, sometimes it's hard. <laughs> it's a slow process. Uh, sanctification is difficult, yeah. um, but it's worth it. It produces real fruit. Just don't take the easy way out. Anyways, I don't know who I'm talking to. <laughs> I'm sure there are no lead pastors out there who just, you know, stumbled some upon our, our 29 <laughs> year old kid talking about how, uh, you know, the church ought to be. But please, I, I just mean, also, okay, if you're not a pastor, pray for your pastor. Oh, yeah. Pray for your church. Um, because these are real temptations for, as someone on a church staff, uh, on church staff these are real temptations to use methods to get people to come to your church that are frankly unbiblical. Okay. I'll just say it. Um, that are seeking to, to fill the seats. It's, it's a temptation because you want to be successful. Well, okay. 
No, here's the, here's the deceit that's behind it. Because you start to equate the numbers of people in the seats with, with the number of people who hear the gospel. When just with the health of your church. Right, right. When that's not a determinant of it. Mm-hmm. It can be, it certainly can be a blessing. And when your church is grown, like it's not bad that a church would grow. Don't right. hear that either. Um, but if you're just producing people who want to be entertained, right? you're not, like you said, producing disciples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The unbelievers should be the most uncomfortable people in a church. Hmm. Not the most comfortable. <laughs> because if they are actually hearing the gospel, they would be convicted of their, of their sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From that standpoint, I, I get it. I don't think you should. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't mean that like we should be seeking to make people uncomfortable. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm okay. saying spiritually, mm-hmm. the unbelievers should be the most uncomfortable, most. Yeah, that's the only word I can come up with at the moment. Mm-hmm. That they should be the most uncomfortable. Because of the conviction. Yes. Yeah. Because if they are actually getting truth, yeah, then they will see that they are sinners. Mm-hmm. Right. And they would not want to live in their sin anymore. Yeah. Right. The only, yes, I agree. I completely agree. Please don't hear this as me disagreeing. <laughs> but I would just say um, that... That does not mean, obviously, that we would be needlessly um, uncomfortable. Um, I think there's a way in which to to get on someone's level to share the gospel with them. So I think there are things that you can do to make people, to, to give the message, the true message, the true gospel, um, in ways that people can understand in their language. Right. But that's not that they, seeker friendly. Right. Right. Yeah. So there, that's there sharing is, the gospel. there is a fine line. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that please don't hear this. <laughs> seeker friendly is playing radio music for worship music. And yeah, yeah. because yeah. Yeah. But, literate, like you said, just entertaining people so that they're there. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the gospel itself is offensive, mm-hmm. um, especially to, to the unregenerate. It is. So I would say then, Christian, don't be, don't be needlessly offensive. Like the, the gospel is already offensive enough. You yeah. get out of the way and you preach the gospel, mm-hmm. okay? Don't be a jerk when you do it. <laughs> don't... Um, don't just use insider language so people can't understand you, you know, um, do, do it when you're preaching the gospel, do it in such a way that people can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so don't be distracting. Anyways, that's a whole other, that's another conversation. Um, <laughs> Lots of conversations can <laughs> come yeah. from what we've talked about today. Okay, guys, remember at the beginning of the podcast when I said I didn't know what we were going to talk about today? <laughs> I wasn't lying, okay? <laughs> I had a couple things written down, but I didn't think I would... <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was 
going to use a word that's a little too graphic, uh, <laughs> even though I used it earlier in the podcast. It's not that bad. Um, anyways, didn't think I would ramble on. Put it that way. Put it nice. Rambling. Were you going to say something like word vomit? Yes, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say I di- wasn't expecting to vomit all over the microphone. Okay, <laughs> now it's in your brain. Now you've heard it and you're just imagining chunks on this microphone that's I mean, right in front of me. I was talking about my it's period disgusting. earlier, so oh my I don't think gosh. it's... Oh my gosh, the most disgusting <laughs> episode we have ever put out. I am so sorry, sort of. <laughs> This is okay. life, people. This, this is, is life. who we are. L-I-F-E. You're just your friendly neighborhood broccolos talking about life. All right. I think we are, are done for the evening. You yeah, have any we've reco- actually talked a lot longer than I thought Me we too. would. Me too. It's late. I, I think we always yeah, talk a lot longer than I thought we would. Probably because we like talking to each other. I, do I like, like talking that. to you. I, I like talking to you. Yeah. So talk to me. Do you have any recommendations? Oh. Um. Not really. I do have a little story okay. though. I watched. Okay. Um, oh gosh, what was it called? The Larry King Now show. I guess okay. it's. I don't know what it's usually on. I just watched an episode of it on Hulu. Mm-hmm. I've never watched Larry King before. The man so looks I, like a frog. <laughs> that's a scrub ref, scrubs reference. Um, so I didn't know really what to expect. I knew that he like his thing was that he interviewed people mm-hmm. but i never actually watched him before and he's so, the king so i didn't really know what he sounded like or oh really yeah oh man his voice is so uh iconic yes um that was the perfect word oh my <laughs> well gosh. he's an icon <laughs> yeah uh, dang um but i was watching him interview these these two people but he and granted he's super old now but like <laughs> he just sounded so uninterested oh in what he was talking like he seemed so bored <laughs> he had like no energy and i'm just like is this how he always has been or is it just like because he's old or is it just because he honestly doesn't care about this interview? He's just doing it. Like I, it was extremely awkward because mm. the two people he was interviewing were very charismatic and like very interested in what they're, you know, they okay. were, be, because they were trying, they were promoting their show. Mm-hmm. Um, But he just, I don't, and he seemed to sort of just like, interrupt them and go on to a different question it was just so (laughs) weird you're not getting an ad in my show what is happening right now it was it was really weird anyways Hmm. so that's obviously not a recommendation that would probably be an a non-recommendation gotcha an anti-reco yeah don't watch larry king now um, it was just boring to me Mm. i don't know Mm. it kind of makes me want to watch it so (laughs) <laughs> i'm sure maybe he was entertaining at some point or I, i'm sure he had to have been because <laughs> they don't give uninteresting people forgive me please shows. i am a uh, 29 year old millennial who doesn't <laughs> can't know. stand larry king <laughs> because of the one episode that you've seen uh, um i mean they were promoting a kid's show so that's kind yeah. of I mean, teenage. Anyways, 
Uh, okay. So I've got a serious reco and I've got a very silly reco. Oh. Okay. So um, the serious one is that, so like I said, school started up this week. Um, taking a look at hermeneutics. I just recently downloaded a program called Logos or Logos or Logos, depending on which language <laughs> it, it, it I is. I thought it was Logos. It's, well, it's Maybe originally not. Greek and I believe it's Logos in Greek, but the English, obviously transliteration. Yeah, it could be like Logos or Logos. I don't know. I don't know. However you want to pronounce it, doesn't matter. Um, it is a Bible study program that's actually really cool. It's complicated, so you have to like watch videos on how to how to get it set up and all that jazz. But it's super cool. Um, being a student, I got some some books for free, which is really cool. But they they help with taking a look at the original languages. And the definitions of words within the original languages and um, reading different translations side by side. It's just super cool, guys. Um, it's a really cool uh, tool that you can use to study the Bible. So, Logos. It is really cool. Pretty sweet. Um, and then for the silly recommendation, my friend Nate turned me onto a podcast called Everything is alive. And it's a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you showed that to me. Yeah. Was, I was like, what am I listening to exactly. right now? <laughs> so guys, this is so such niche humor because the joke is that they play it straight. Okay. <laughs> Everything is alive is a podcast about it's it's like an NPR style podcast where this guy interviews different inanimate objects. <laughs> Okay, and so obviously it's podcast, so so it's just audio. So in the first episode, he interviews a can of off-brand Coca-Cola. <laughs> so it's just a person talking, mm -hmm. like it's not like he's putting a microphone Pretending up to, to a can, be, yeah. right? Right. And so the guy, you know, waxes poetic about being a can in the back of a fridge and never being picked. And then at the end of the well, spoilers, at the end of the episode, the interviewer drinks him. <gasps> And what, but it's intentional, and and he's just talking about how awesome it feels um, to finally be drunk. Um, and ooh, phrasing, sorry. <laughs> but they recently released an episode um, where they interview Dennis, who is a pillow, and it is hilarious. It does get into some like. There's one portion where it talks about like what God's pillow would be like. And so, like, if you're real sensitive to kind of, like, blasphemous talking about God, I say blasphemous, basically just theoretically talk, oh, you know, if God had a pillow, where would he get his pillow from? And how would he, you know, whatever. If, if you're sensitive to that, I understand. Um, it was it was kind of weird, and I was kind of like, eh, I don't really care much for it, um, even though it was kind of funny. Um, but But as the episode goes on, it just gets funnier and funnier. Because it's it's played straight, because they are not laughing about what they're saying, and what they're saying is so absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, so I understand it is very niche humor. Uh, if you don't like it, if you're just like, this is so stupid, like, why would you listen to this? I get it. It is stupid. <laughs> but that's the joke. 
Uh, so everything is alive. Good stuff. All right. Do you have any other thoughts before we sign off? No? Okay. Well, if you guys have any thoughts, we would love to hear them. Email us at so talk to me podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter. Our handle is at so underscore talk to me. Bye. Okay. The Dementors. They suck, man. They suck. Uterine Dementors. <laughs>